Welcome to Trinity Radio. I'm Braxton Hunter, and along with me is... Jonathan Pritchett. And today we are talking about Scientology. Don't worry, it will be worth it. So it's here's, not heresy. It's, come no, on, it's Harris' son. They gave us nothing but tradition and no argument. All they did was get on this stage, yell real loud, and set a straw man on fire. Okay, uh, this is... I, I... I was... not impressed. <laughs> I, I've never heard of this gentleman before, but... And there is no evidence at all, except in the imagination of Dr. Braxton and like-minded thinkers that there is such a thing as an objective morality. Right, well, that was a very passionate speech by Professor Alvarez. However, let me point out a couple of things that I have not argued tonight that Professor Alvarez seems to think that I have argued. Everything that begins to exist must have a cause for its existence. On behalf of humanity, God became man to die for the sin of the world. Then because of that sacrifice, you can rise from the dead just like he rose from the dead. <laughs> Bring us back in. All right. Of all the topics there are to discuss, Scientology is a thing. It's also a thing that, unless you're in it, it is it, it bumfuzzles people. People are confused a lot about what it is um, and what to think about it, and why people get because you hear all you see the documentaries. You you watch Tom Cruise jump up and down on the couch. You know, you see weird stuff, mm -hmm. and then you hear stuff about space and aliens and, and, and you know, thetans possessing you and engrams and machines they hook up to you to, to register things, and apparently it costs a whole lot of money to participate, and people are like, what in the world is this thing? Yeah, so what happened is I have a... A class on cults and you know as we've been talking about why i'm a yeah, yeah. this season we've looked at some of those and uh and and so it, i thought to myself like we've never done a show on scientology in eight seasons we've never done a show on scientology and there's a reason for that is because as you'll learn they're like less than fifty thousand scientologists left <laughs> and so uh you're not likely to encounter a scientologist but so you did i did and and I, i'll tell you about that in a minute but but why then would we want to do a show about Scientology? Well, it's important for a podcast like ours, I think, because there still are people in the movement, and there are still people in the culture, like not famous people, who are in the movement, and you're not likely to encounter them in everyday life, but the internet is likely to encounter them. And so we'll do with this what we do. We'll we'll put this in the link to the video. I've got a video from the Church of Scientology linked in the show notes that uh, they that is there like why you should be a Scientologist type thing. And then I actually did find an article from a woman, Why I'm a Scientologist. That's what it is, Why I'm a Scientologist. And the lady's name is Deanne McDonald. It's from October 9th, 2017, so not too long ago. And she gives her reasons. So we'll go through those. But as we've done with some of these things, I think it'd probably be good for us to kind of, even though a lot of people are familiar by now, still no, kind they, of... No, they're not. They you don't think so? No, that's what I was talking... See, he never listens to me when, I, when I'm talking. He's, he's over here doing production stuff. Well, but, but here's the, the thing. That no, I'm saying people are mystified by this. I'm mystified by this. I mean... Well, there was a famous documentary on HBO 
a couple of years ago called Going Clear. Right. And, and now there's a show by the lady, you know, the wife uh, on King of Queens. You remember that sitcom, King of Queens? Yeah. She was a Scientologist, came out of it, and did an expose. So there's been several things like that. So I guess I just assume for people that are mildly interested in this, all of it's out there now. But maybe not. Maybe you don't know anything about it, and you thought, hey, I'll listen to Trinity Radio. No, you can watch all that stuff and still be mystified by it. Well, that's true. That's true. All right, so uh, let's talk a little bit about Scientology. I have in my PowerPoint for the cults class a galactic space opera. (laughs) Because... Believe it or not, that's, that's what, what it is. is. <laughs> okay, uh, let's talk a little bit about the founder. And it's not Hubbard. even a good one. If you remember, two episodes, three episodes ago, we talked about weird cults, and we talked about a character named Alistair Crowley. Especially when we were talking about um, uh, the the uh, Ordo Templi Orientis, they were influenced by Crowley. Crowley was involved with all that. Uh, Hubbard was also influenced by Crowley, although it's not as mm-hmm. obvious. Uh, there's some Egyptian influence. There's some Buddhist influence. In fact, L. Ron Hubbard thought he was just giving you what Buddha would have said if he was here. Um, no. <laughs> L. Ron Hubbard lived from 1911 to 1986, science fiction writer who said, if a man really wanted to make a million... Now, he said this before he started yes. the religion. He said, if a man really wanted to make a million dollars, the best way would be to start his own religion. That was in Time Magazine, April 5th, 1976. Interesting, huh? Yeah, and he did. He did it. And people say, oh, you're just you're taking that out of context. I've heard all kinds of stuff. When people bring up that quote, the Scientologists will protest and say, oh, that, but that doesn't mean it's not true. And uh, that's right. It doesn't mean it's not true. Right. A lot of other ridiculous things mean it's not true. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> a Guinness Book of World Records in four, uh, he won the Guinness, he got a Guinness Book record in four categories. Most published works by one author. Uh, most audio books published for one author, most translated author in the world, and most translated author for the same book. Now, this, this is a thing about cults. If you take the cults class, you'll learn this. What, but you're about to learn it right now. Is that if you want to start a cult, one thing you have to do if it's going to get off the ground is publish, 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 publish. You can pick almost any uh, cult you want to that has become reasonably large, and there was a lot of publishing yeah. uh, involved in it. My favorite. Guy, we can't talk about a cult that was that, that was that was recent without mentioning my favorite invented cult. What's that? Trinity Radio. No, <laughs> no. Um, my my mentor, who I love, Calvinist, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, there's our quota for the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Kevin Lewis at, at Bi- Biola, the unsung hero of that program. Mm-hmm. Okay, for his cults class, he started a fake cult. Oh, really? To 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 demonstrate what cults are like, and it's the Order of the Magical Unicorn. Oh, that's great! And I love that. Cult. Yeah, and it's a phenomenal cult. My favorite cult is the fake cult. Um, well, they're you, all should fake the, <laughs> yeah, you should join the. You should join. The Utmu, because it's 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 wonderful. The Utmu, yeah. <laughs> the Order of the Magic. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Yeah. Uh, but they don't have a big publishing arm. That's no. That's why it never got Dr. off the ground. Dr. Lewis is just not cranking out the the publication. He so, cranks out the pictures though. The pictures are great. So Dianetics became the book that officially launched the religion in 1950. By the way, it's important. They want you to know it is a religion. Now, some cults don't want you to think that their thing is a religion. They want you to think it's a religion because they wanted that tax break. You know, and there was a big fight with the IRS, and they won. It's fascinating. Um, many of his autobiographical claims have been shown false. Uh, his moral... Now, this is great. His moral example... This is also something true about cults. Their founders often not the most <laughs> moral people. His moral examples of treasures, failed marriages, bigamy, black magic, influences, tax evasion, mind control, and allegedly counseling his wife to commit suicide if she really loved him. Mm. 
fascinating. Try that for Valentine's Day. Don't try that. That's you never know who's going to be listening and take things seriously. Okay, uh, the history no, of organization. That's not the Christian Christians, we have our own terrible people too. Oh, absolutely. I'm just saying Jesus wasn't, and he's the founder of our religion. Right, but when you come to founders of it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's that's the point I wanted to make mm-hmm. because people will say, yeah, well, look at all those Christian preachers who do bad things like right. attack. Yeah, but. They didn't. Fang, uh, they weren't the founder. Of the, they weren't. That's right. Yeah. It all began as the Hubbard Dynamic Research Foundation in 1950, 1953, or uh, Walter Martin says 54. The official Church of Scientology came into existence. Sea Org, Sea like S E A Org, was founded in 1967 as a naval force. Just let that sink in. They have a naval force. You're not talking about the Society of Evangelical Armenians. No, no. It's a different Sea Org. <laughs> and labor group, through whom one must, pretty good, one must go in order to become an administrative figure in the church. In 2009, Sea Org, in 2009, folks, 2009, Sea Org boasted 6,000 members. Members must sign a billion-year contract. Mm. That is not a joke. They have to. Uh, they have to. The contract is a billion. They'll years. serve in the navy in the, yeah. in the in the Scientology navy. Yeah, for a billion years. Yeah, this is like those people who buy like an oil rig and say this is a sovereign nation. Yeah. No, you, you live yeah. on an oil rig. Sea 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 World Sea Land. No, not Sea World. Sea Land yeah. is an actual sovereign nation off the coast of Great Britain that is just an oil thing, like you said. Yeah. Um, in 1986, David Miscavige. Miscavige, I think, became the chairman of the board of the Religious Technology Center. In other words, he became the new head of the church. Today, the church claims to have uh, between 8 and 15 million members. This is important. They claim to have between 8 and 15 million members worldwide, but a celebrated documentary, Going Clear, claims they have less than 50,000. The reason they have this appearance is because they do have high-profile Scientologists like Beck, believe it or not, and uh, a lot of other people. Travolta and, and, and Cruz and Will <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Everybody knows all those. I just didn't know if anybody knew that Beck was. But anyway, uh, and they also have uh, real estate holdings, big, expensive properties worldwide. Because they get, they, they, you complain about, man, you go to church, and that pastor always talking about tithing. Tie, you know, tie 10 bucks. Why do they always have to have a southern accent? Well, that's what they, that's how they do it. Can you give them a Boston accent? Because I can't do one. <laughs> okay. I'm a hick. Uh, but, but no, you want to talk about you want to talk about bilking people for tons and tons of money. Yeah, the worst abusers in the church can't hold a candle to these people. That's right. Yeah, and and uh, physically abusive too. Uh, but we may not have time to get into that. So uh, here's their creation myth. Now, if you know the story about Tom Cruise, uh, Nicole Kidman when she was married to Tom Cruise wasn't having this. And I don't have documentation for this, but I know I read this somewhere, and you can go research it on your own. I don't care to find the citation. But they, before the creation myth was outed pretty well by South Park, <laughs> who apparently is the anti-cult uh, institution, um, p- people didn't know the creation myth. And they knew, I think, they knew that if people knew, they'd never join Scientology because it's ridiculous. So what happened was... Uh, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman got to this level of clear where they were now allowed to go in and Miscavige personally gave them a manila envelope that, in, that it, and it was a big ceremony like this is you're here now you made it this is a big deal and we're we're trusting you with the, and they opened it up and they read what I'm about to read to you so here's what it said uh, I don't know if this is how they said it but this is the summary <laughs> that is out there from altreligion.about.com and it's true you can check it anywhere uh, 75 million years ago, Xenu 
headed the Galactic Federation, which was an organization of 76 planets that had already existed for 20 million years. The planets were suffering a tremendous problem with overpopulation. Xenu's draconian solution to the matter was to gather large numbers of people, kill them, freeze their thetans, or souls, and transport the frozen thetans to Earth, which they called Tigiak. The thetans were left in the vicinity of volcanoes, which were in turn destroyed in a series of nuclear explosions. Members of the Galactic Federation eventually rebelled against Xenu, fighting him for six years before he was finally captured and imprisoned on a planet that today is a barren desert. Within the mountain trap on the unnamed world, Xenu still lives. Mm. Now, now, Tom Cruise and Nicole Bitter are reading this, and Tom is like, apparently, is like, this is awesome. This is the greatest thing ever. This is so cool. And Nicole Kidman's looking at him like, are you serious right now? <laughs> and so that was that was when uh, Nicole Kidman became a suppressive person and left Scientology. We'll talk about suppressive persons in a moment. I'm almost done with this little overview. Uh, the Thetans who were captured and exploded on Earth through the volcanoes are uh, find their origin. Uh, uh, wait, uh, that's the origin of the body Thetans. Each human, like Dr. Bridget here, has his or her own Thetan, mm -hmm. which Scientologists purify through auditing until the practitioner reaches a state of clear. While uh, a, that could be my thing, you're Pritchett Prime. Nobody will catch on with the thing with me, but I could be Thetan Braxton when I go crazy mm. or something. I don't know. Uh, it'll never work. Uh, but uh, Scientologists purify through the auditing. They, they're trying to purify your Thetan through auditing until you reach a state of clear, which is why the documentary was going clear. Uh, while a clear zone, th it doesn't matter. They try to clear you from these destructive engrams. Engrams, yes. And, uh, and that's what they do when they have the little devices you may have seen. And, and that, in fact, let's talk about that real quick. Yeah, but you, don't you, I mean, doesn't like burping and, 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 and using the restroom and passing gas, doesn't that get rid of engrams too? I, I don't think From so, but I, with this religion, who no, knows? That's, no, that's, what, um, that's how I understand it. Like, that's what you heard is that that's maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Okay, well, that's good contribution. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll go get rid of some engrams here in a moment. Oh, show, man, you know? no, no. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, the auditing system. I'll put a picture up of the auditing system because it's just fantastic. Isn't it like a Commodore 64-looking thing? and <laughs> Kind of. It, it's, a, it's a device that has two little handles for the listening audience, uh, the two little metal handles <laughs> with wires that go into a device with a meter on it. And it's called this is called auditing. In fact, when you first get into Scientology, this is what they'll do. They'll, they'll treat it like it's a counseling set. Session, mm -hmm. with a twist, with a technological twist. You hold this, and uh, I, I'm not going to read through all this stuff, but the, the, the bottom line is what it does is, what, what, this, what they're saying is this needle is showing how you're going clear. Mm -hmm. But there is some real science in this thing, and here's the real science. It's basically a rudimentary lie detector test. And the way that a lie detector test works and the way this thing works is when you're stressed about something, that needle's going crazy, Right. So, uh, when you first sit down and start relaying a hurtful past memory, um, which is what they'll have somebody do, it, that needle's going to be going crazy because you really are stressed out. It's allowing an electrical charge to go through the bar that's in one of your hands around your body to the other bar and back into the machine. And so, yeah, it's registering something that's real. But as you tell that story multiple times over and over and over again, and you become more comfortable with this hurtful story from your past, 
Obviously, you're not as stressed by it, and the needle doesn't jump. And that's real science. When I took a counseling class last year, one of the things they're saying with people with PTSD is they record the person telling the story, and, and then they have that person listen to that audio throughout their day to get used to hearing themselves tell the story. They're even using VR technology and stuff to have people relive certain things and to try to get you used to it, because the more you talk about it, the more you're used to it, apparently. I'm not a counselor, so if anything I'm saying here is wrong, uh, don't don't follow my advice, but I'm saying this is how this works, and so the but they interpret that as see that needle's not jumping anymore. You know, want to know what's going on there? You're going clear, sucker. And doesn't mm. that prove Scientology is true? Uh, no, it does not. All right. Uh, yeah, what now, does that have to do with Xenu and and 20 million years of Federation of Planets and all? Well, that? this is proof that needle proves that oh, there are thetans Lord. in you and all that. Anyway. Uh, so, okay. almost done well, here. we know how to get rid of them. So. Almost here. <laughs> Disconnection. Yeah, just eat more fiber. Right. Disconnection. <laughs> uh, if someone is antagonistic towards Scientology, they are labeled a suppressive person. Nicole Kidman like is a you. suppressive and, person. And you and I are being suppressive people. And right? Andy, who works here, yeah. used to work at... Uh, yeah, we're suppressive persons. But Andy used to work at uh, a store in uh, a J. Crew in... That we need on t-shirts. Green Hills Mall. Yeah, suppressive person. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and Nicole Kidman came in there one time and was shopping because she lives in Nashville now. And he agrees that she's a suppressive person and he doesn't believe Scientology is true. <laughs> uh, Scientologists have to disconnect from these SPs. That's why it's called disconnection. This has led to the destruction of marriages and other familial relationships. When one is planning to disconnect from an individual, they must write a formal letter to the individual and a letter for file at the church. So, last thing, Jesus. What do they think about Jesus? Hubbard, and you don't hear this too much, but Hubbard, I always want to know what a cult thinks about Jesus because, as I say repeatedly in the cults class, if you're wrong about Jesus, it doesn't matter what you're right about. Mm -hmm. Jehovah's Witnesses will tell you, we agree on so much. Don't care. If you're wrong about Jesus, doesn't matter what you're right about. Right. Hubbard viewed Jesus as an implant, not an engram, not a thetan, an implant. An implant for Hubbard was an intentional false idea meant to prevent a thetan from becoming clear. It is a bad thing in Scientology. Heaven is considered to also be a result of implants. Mm. The demonstrate This demonstrates the claim, you can be a Christian and be a Scientologist, is not only false. That's what, uh, when Tom... Cruz was on with, uh, I don't know, Matt Lauer. Yeah, Tom Cruise, Matt Lauer. He kept saying, you can be a Christian and be a Scientologist. You can be a Muslim and be a Scientologist. You can't be a Christian and be a Scientologist uh, because of this. So, uh, and the interview was in 2005 on the Today Show with Matt Lauer. I have it here. And you can find that easily. It's an interesting listen. It's fun. Uh, and, and, all right. So, so there's Scientology in a nutshell. Uh there's a lot of interesting stuff. The head of the church, Miscavige, became besties with Tom Cruise and found him a new suitor uh, when Nicole left him. They Literally, they took down what he liked in a woman, found a woman for him, found a, a, a built, bought him all these cool toys like Sea-Doo's and motorcycles, and he and Miscavige go all over together. It's, anyway, so there's that. Now, I actually encountered one of these dudes. I was in South Carolina with Adam Powers, who, go back and listen to the episode on, um, what was it called? I don't remember the name we gave it, but uh, Losing Yourself. Mm -hmm. It was about, he, he lost a bunch of weight uh, uh, at one point. He was very, very overweight and lost a bunch of weight. Now he's a muscle building guy. Anyway, we had a show with him. I was at his church speaking, and he took me to visit some people. This is not uncommon. And one of the people we visited was a Scientologist guy who lived out there. And he wouldn't let us in his house, and we stood out there and talked to him. And uh, at the end of the conversation, he said, please don't ever come back. Or, no, he said, you come back and talk to me anytime you want. Don't ever bring this up again. And he espoused, when we tried to reason with him, it was the most frustrating thing. And the reason it was frustrating is because this guy was a cognitive relativist. Now, since I've been talking for a while, 
would you like to break down relativism? Uh, we're not talking about moral relativism, but like the planet Earth might not exist, or it does and it doesn't, that whole thing. Yeah, I mean, that, that you can, the idea of relativism is that there's no absolute truth. And so that it's a choose your own adventure. It, what could be true for me may not necessarily be true for you. And the laws of logic are inapplicable here. Yeah. And, and this is kind of a beyond just Scientology, though. There are worldviews that will say that, that that is just a function of language and how we talk, but it's really not. There's no, I mean, even Alex Rosenberg will say this. Yeah, there's, and some brands of Hinduism. Yeah, will say. and atheism. That, that, that logic isn't true. It just, you know, it's just a feature of how we communicate that leads us to think so, but it's not. So there are relative truths that, that, that something may be true for you that's not true for me. Even Stephen Hawking was getting into this. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's science, you know. Right, right. Uh, where, where, well, if you want, you know, it's anti-realism mm -hmm. is where it comes from. And it's the idea that, well, it can, if you believe that the world it was created 10,000 years ago, then that's true for you. Yeah. And that's your reality. My reality is that the universe has existed for 13.7 billion years, part of a larger multiverse, and you know, whatever. And, and so the idea behind all of this kind of cognitive relativism or anti-realism is that Believe whatever you like. Yeah, so you have and, your and, truth. And, yeah, there is and, no absolute truth. Right. Everybody gets to have their own truth. Uh, the example I always use, first of all, you Which get Which is why you can, except for, unless you just reject Jesus as an implant, which is why you can be at least a Hindu or a Muslim and a Scientologist. Yeah, right. The thing, the thing is, you get your white belt in apologetics when yeah. you learn this. Um, if you encounter a cognitive relativist, and they say there is no absolute truth. You just ask them, is that absolutely true? Right. Am I saying that is absolutely true? So it's what we call in philosophy self-referentially incoherent. Yes. But but that's like the first thing you learn when you read any apologetics book. That's mm -hmm. one of the things that will be in that book. But uh, but but these people are really there. My favorite example is to Yeah, say, a good book on this, just real quick. Francis Beckwith and a couple co-authors. Uh, Feet firmly planted in midair is a good primary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I just want to... Uh, also, anything by Douglas Grudhaus, um, yeah. we'll cover it. Uh, there's a good book, Truth Decay, I think. Uh, but the thing the thing about it is, my favorite example is, it, let's imagine a relativist who goes to the bank, and let's imagine the teller at the bank is also a relativist. It's a relativist bank. And the, the relativist goes to the bank, and he knows he's got $500 in there, so he says... Uh, I want to withdraw $200 from my bank account. And, and the uh, teller says, well, I'd love to do that for you, but uh, that is true for you that you have $500 <laughs> in the bank. But what's true for me and for the bank is that you don't have any money in the bank, so I can't give you your money. Now, if the relativist is going to be consistent, he's going to say, well, I guess I, I guess that's right. That's their truth. This is my truth. So <laughs> that's all right with me. But that's not what's going to happen. He's going to bang the desk and he's say, give me my money because I know it's absolutely true that there's $500 in the bank. So it doesn't work. Anyway, these people are that, and it's why it's frustrating to talk with them. Uh, in fact, Don Johnson, Donald J. Johnson, since you mentioned an evangelical Catholic, Francis Beckwith, I'll mention an evangelical Catholic, uh, Donald J. Johnson. He's got an, a discussion with uh, a guy who was a direct disciple of L. Ron Hubbard, and this this comes up, and it becomes a whole thing, and it was with my discussion with this guy as well. And, and, and you can't nail them down because when you'll ask them about the Xenu story, they show a little embarrassment, or at least my guy did. But... When you ask them about this, they'll say, you say, is that true? They'll say, well, yes. And I'll say, but that's, I'll give all these reasons. And they'll say, well, that's, it's not true for you, but it's true for me. And it's just this loop. Yeah. And it, it, they can say whatever crazy thing they want. 
And there's no getting out of it because it's the cognitive relativism, which is a major problem. But as we said, the way you defeat that is you say, are you telling, are you telling me that relativism is absolutely true? Because if you're not, then, you know, if you, if you're not, then I don't need what you're saying makes no sense. And if you are, then what you're saying makes no sense. So that's <laughs> right. how that works. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but, there you go. But they can even recognize that. And what they'll say is, yeah, that's absolutely true for you that it's false. <laughs> <laughs> right. But is that's that, your truth, Braxton. Right. Uh, well, is it? Uh, so, but we're talking about relativism. Right. Is relativism absolutely true? Well, they would say no. Well, if it's not, then your claim that certain things are not, uh, that there is no absolute truth, fails. But that's only for you, Braxton. That's not for me. Well, then I'd say that's circular logic. <laughs> but that's for you, not for and me. And hence why this is difficult right. to talk about. Right. And what do you do with people like that? I mean, there's nothing you can, it's just you can pray for them. <laughs> well, you can take the, like Steve Gregg, for example, when he's talking to an atheist, uh, if they deny that the world seems intelligently designed, he'll be like, yeah, I'm not talking to you then. You just need Jesus, you know, because he's, he, he thinks you're lying. <laughs> if, you're, right. if you won't admit the world seems intelligently designed, you're lying. Yeah. So it's not worth talking about. And I think at this point with someone, you don't want to tell them they're a liar, but you can kind of point out to them, do you really think that's right? Does that seem right? In other words, you take the plausible approach. Does that seem plausible? But see, the reason why relativism can stick in our culture now is because nobody wants to be told anything with certainty. Yeah. And they don't want to be wrong. They don't want to be wrong, but they don't want to have to be accountable to anything either. Sure. And so Scientology represents this embracing of it is the worst of humanity. <laughs> right. It, no, no, seriously, it's the absolute worst of humanity. Because you end up with Zenu. Well, not just Zena, you end up with people who deny basic things of reality, which were the only thing that you have. I mean, somebody once said, I can't remember who it was, but he said, if somebody denies the law of non-contradiction, you punch them in the face repeatedly while telling them you're not punching them in the face until they acknowledge the, the law of non-contradiction. Is this your evangelism strategy? No. I'm okay. just saying somebody said that It once. fits. I just w wondered. <laughs> <laughs> or you have to rob them of their money to get them to see that now, I'm not robbing you of your money. That's my money. It's true for me that right. the money in your wallet is mine. Right. And at some point, their worldview, ha you have to do something like that to break yeah. them out. Norman of Geisler has an example, and I think it's in I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist, where someone turned in a paper on where the guy was arguing for cognitive relativism. Mm -hmm. And so he gave him an F on the paper, even though it was a pretty good paper for what it was. And the guy said, why did I get an F on this paper? He said, well, because you turned it in a red uh, folder, and I don't like red folders. So when I get a red folder, it's true for me that I give Fs because I don't like red <laughs> folders. And he goes, but that's not fair. That's not how this institution grades papers. He's like, well, that's true for you, but not for me. <laughs> so, so anyway, there, you can do all kinds of things with this. And the bad thing is people are, uh, some evangelicals are applying this to the Bible, you know, uh, yeah, some the, of this thinking. The emergent, it doesn't uh, matter what the original author thought or meant. That was true for him. But we can reinterpret his words to mean what we want it to mean today. Right. Right. So according to our culture. Anyway, uh, and then that's you get Brian a cultural and all those. There's cultural relativism, there's moral relativism, there's cognitive relativism, but it all involves relativism. Yeah. So, okay, uh, wh why do people say, uh, let's see how far we are along, 25 minutes, we're doing good. Why do people say that you should embrace uh, Scientology? Why am I? Why am I a Scientologist? Right. I want to be like Tom Cruise. That's, <laughs> that's a terrible reason. Yeah. I've tried to find some well, that's things. Well, that's true for you. That's not true. And for you. I found a couple of things. 
the best way to get you there is there is an article uh, called Why I'm a Scientologist, Why I'm a Scientologist by Deanne McDonald, October 9th, 2017. And she uh, gives her reasons. It's it, And I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'll just cite it. Because it's in line with what the church has, a video that's basically why I'm a Scientologist. And it also says basically the same things, which is because Scientology is about helping people. Oh. Scientology is about doing good in the world. And, what this, and, and, and that's all it amounts to. Now, they have a statement of belief somewhere that you've got to dig and find. But, but this is what cults sometimes do, is to be very subversive and say... It's helping people. Well, okay. Well, every religion claims to help people in some way. Right. That's not what we're looking for. We're looking for what's unique about your religion. That's the I'm a Calvinist because of the Bible. Or it's I'm kind of Armenian. like that. Just, yeah. It's just okay. What does that mean? Yeah. You know, what do you mean by that? Yeah. And so uh, what, what? And then there's another tactic that she uses in this. Um, she taught. Well, here's the one good thing that I think she gives. This is good. She says. I believed that there had to be some, well, here she's, I'm, I'm a Scientologist because I truly thought there was more to life than getting a job, going home at night, watching a little TV, going to bed, and then doing it all over again. Okay, forget the Scientology part. You're starting off on the right track. There's some deeper meaning. There's some deeper truth right. besides my mundane existence. Right, and, and as we've argued plenty, um, that's a good place to start. It's just that Christianity gives you everything that you want in re- to fill those needs mm-hmm. without Thetans. Yeah. So, <laughs> or whatever else. But, I mean, but that doesn't tell Zenu's, me. news, you know, intergalactic, whatever. But it doesn't tell me why you're a Scientologist. It tells me why you thought religion might be a good idea. Right. But you're saying it went from life is mundane to Scientology is true. She says, I've heard it said that religion is the opiate of the masses. Usually I hear this type of thing from some arrogant know-it-all, and I disagree with them wholeheartedly. Check your history. Some of the, Now, now what, I want you to notice what happens here, because I have noticed just in this season when we've been doing WIMA, I've noticed a trend. I've learned something mm-hmm. by doing our research, this research program that is Trinity Radio. She says, check your history. Some of the most intelligent men and women in the world have believed in some religion or another. If Albert Einstein, one of the most brilliant minds ever believed in religion, perhaps it isn't something just for the uninformed. In fact, I love what Einstein said about it. Science without religion is lame. Religion without science is blind. So why am I a Scientologist? I'm a Scientologist because I truly thought there was more to life. Okay, and that's the quote that I get. Here's what I've noticed happening repeatedly with other religions and cults this season, which is starting out with, here's why I'm in this cult. Mm-hmm. And then talking about good things about religion in general, and then going back to this is why my cult should be believed, or why I'm a part of this cult. Right. It's but, mixing something really weird into an ambiguous frame, religion. Okay, yeah, but there are true religions and false religions. Right. And even you'll have to, well, I guess she doesn't have to say that, because cognitive <laughs> relativism. But you see, that's a way, you're borrowing capital from... Christianity, who's behind our scientific and, uh, and and medical institutions, you're you're borrowing from these other religions to make a point about your cult, which is completely separate. So that is something I've noticed as we've been doing this Trinity Radio season. I think it's pretty interesting. But what this woman says is the same thing that here's the, the video. Here's says. the difference: Genesis one one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Right? Fact about reality. Our God Yahweh, the one that the Bible is about. Okay. Mm-hmm created this, and events in history, God became incarnate, you know, the Father sending the Son to live, to die, to rise again. Historical fact, okay? Go test that. That's 
That's God's existence and the gospel and the death and resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. Every time you hear the gospel, that will be there. Okay. So far, we've heard nothing about Xenu and the Federation of Planets. We've heard all 20- kinds of stuff about Xenu. No, he, from her. Oh, yeah. So she, That's right. What she's not proclaiming is that, And look, you won't hear about it from... They have a whole video series. You remember the the I'm so-and-so and I'm a Mormon. I'm Brandon Flowers and yeah. I'm a Mormon. You know, the, the killer's guy. Yeah. They have a whole thing like that. Meet a, meet a Scientologist. Meet mm-hmm. a Scientologist. You will not hear about Xenu. <laughs> right. But you will hear about the death and resurrection from Christians, right? Yeah. But what you don't hear, you don't. You, we, we'll tell our creation story. We'll tell our, you know, the, the heart of the gospel. Where, where's Zenu? Where does she talk about getting rid of engrams yet? Has she talked about that? Does that sh- does engrams well, show in, up in her? It's article? about helping people. So when you expel engrams or whatever, or you know, bad thetan uh, juju or whatever, that's 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 helping people. So you know, I mean, and this is. This is this is no offense. Here it comes. I'm gonna give the Pritchett Prime thing. No, I'm gonna withhold. But no, look, don't. Like, That's why people watch this no, show. No, like Mormonism. There's fifty thousand of these people. It's like Mormonism, where it's they they give you all of the vacuous, empty, windbaggish stuff to appeal to your emotions before they tell you about Kolob. Yeah. And she's going to go through this whole, just, look, I understand the gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing, okay? But some things are foolishness to those people who believe the gospel, and this is one of those things. Right. <laughs> and I'm sorry, that the reason why Paul said that in 1 Corinthians is because, you know, the... You know the idea of, of of Zeus dying and rising again to, to save people—that ridiculous, right? Yeah. Um, that that's not the same category in our cultural context as trying to tell us that battlefield Earth is theology, right? <laughs> you know that's tar- this is beyond, and they won't they won't go into that, yeah. And Mormons won't go into it, yeah. And Jehovah's Witnesses won't go into it, and even Hindus—they don't start off, you know, with when they're over here in the West mm-hmm. with that stuff, with, with, yeah. with, with what they believe about 30 million gods being one God, but 30 million God and all this other stuff. They don't go into all of that, you know? Well, they make someone, jokes about but, not but eating up. cheeseburgers but hold up. and but hold themselves, up. Now, but they don't do Occasionally, this. you'll push back on me yeah. with respect to one of these and play devil's advocate. Let me push back a little bit. Literally, here. that's what we, that's what uh, we oh, do. For, for, first of all, first of all, let me, let me say, at the bottom of this article, I just noticed Got a nice picture here of Salvation Army people giving donuts to poor people or something, as if that's what they need. But anyway, I'm all for the Salvation Army. Uh, but 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 she's borrowing capital from the Salvation. See right. see, we do good things. We religious people. No, you're a Scientologist. Anyway, but let me push back a little bit on this. You're saying they don't lead with the most embarrassing thing about their religion. Yes, right? we lead with the most okay. embarrassing. No thing no no no. Our no. God died. No no. Yeah. We don't. Because what many people would say is the most embarrassing thing about our religion is the atrocities of the Old Testament. God commanding genocide, kill all the Canaanites, uh, kill homosexuals, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm just stating it like they state it. And you guys don't leave with that. And you know that is really embarrassing. So what about that? Well, you know, it, it's interesting. I was, I was talking to a friend of mine, and he was, he was saying, look, when you talk to uppity liberals about it in the 
first century, mm-hmm. right? Challenges to Christianity, you go back in history, um, you can go to Marcion, you know, if mm-hmm. you wanted to throw out the Old Testament, whatever. But generally, that's not been the central issue. Like, we're happy to talk about it. Right, and and in more brutish cultures, the idea of a war, you know, God at war and exterminating is not offensive to people in, in less dainty cultures than where we pay $7 for cold coffee like you drink. Yeah. So that can offend some sensibilities, but the... But universally, in a brutish, you know, life is cold, brutish, and short, or hard, you know. Um, no, actually, not too many people actually are offended by that. That's just the way the world works. And so if God is at war, it's fine. Yeah. Um, so it is embarrassing or hard to swallow for, for our culture, you know. And it's, well, there's been people in church history, Origen wanted to reinterpret that stuff. Uh, so, yeah, it's there. But... That's more understandable to a lot of people than in the first century pagan context of a god right. stooping himself to be humiliated on think, the behalf of others and then popping back up. I think you're right. And if so, you want more on the atrocities of the Old Testament, listen to our video from this season on Is God the Devil or something like that. Yeah. But but, but, but here's the thing. We're you're, happy you're to saying talk about something it, yeah. good. We're happy to talk about it. We're not hiding it. And in fact, let's go a step further. You will find multitudes of Christian thinkers writing about it, talking mm-hmm. about it, telling you about it, and then answering it. This is not what you get from Scientology. <laughs> where, where is the apologetics for Scientology? Yeah. Where, sh- where, where, this, is, this is why I'm always interested. Where, if you know of some, send them to us. Yeah, if you know of the apologists who, who argue for Xenu yeah. you know, and defend this stuff, please, yeah. I want to I have Braxton read it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I yeah. don't care. But, but, but seriously, no. Uh, that, yeah, are the Old Testament uh, quote unquote genocide passages? I mean, the easiest way to explain that was yeah, they were wicked sinners and they got punished by God, and that's that, that that's what happens when you right. are wicked. God uh, is just and right. He's loving. Right. You plug those two things in, yeah. and you, you figure all this out. But even then, we like you said, we'll address it. They won't. Where is their weird stuff? Yeah. But no, if you're trying to purify your thetan, get your you know. If that's the thing to make you a better person to help people, you need to tell them what what you're doing. And I need to apologize. I said that these Salvation Army people were giving donuts to homeless people. That's not true. I don't know what they were giving donuts to uh, soldiers. That's better. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So forgive me, Salvation Army. But Salvation Army, the regular point, listeners. The, the, the point is that our message of salvation is the death, burial, resurrection. And we front with that and we every front time. With that. They are not fronting here with. We're trying Zenith. to clear out your things, okay? <laughs> yeah, right. Purify your no, no, they don't and help you get rid of engrams and hook you up to a machine where we zap you with electricity. Where where's all this in this article? Is it there? The machine is I mean, the, no, not in this article, but the machine is one of the first things you can count on. So they are opening with that, but they're like, this is a form of counseling. No, but I'm talking <laughs> about in their eva- yeah, I'm mean, yeah. I mean, in their evangelism. Yeah. In yeah. their evangelism, is she saying, I'm this know. because I want my feet and clean. But no, let me. We've made fun of this a little bit, and that's what it deserves. It it does deserve it. But we should also say, as we close here, that there are hurting people. If you watch that documentary, going clear, there are people whose lives have been devastated, and they sit there crying. People have been hurt. People have been well, killed. People, people have committed but, suicide. Yeah, but people, people are going to say, "Well, yeah, that's happened in the church too." Well, I know, but I'm just saying. I don't care what the jerks say about Christianity. We do take this seriously. And if you are watching this video somehow because you're 
in Scientology? Listen, the truth about the matter is, and it's the absolute truth about the nature of reality, is that there is a God who created the universe. Uh, he came to earth. Uh, Jesus came to earth. He sent his son to die for the sin of the world, for your sins and for my sins and for sins of every individual person. And if you will just repent of your sin, that means turn from your life without Jesus and trust him for your salvation. Uh, then you can be a part of a real kingdom that is absolutely true. And uh, this billion-year contract, well, you can live for a billion years. I don't mind saying that. Does that sound weird? I think you'll live everlastingly. And it's there's good reason to believe this that we're ready to defend. Uh, check out trinitysim.edu. We'd love to talk to you about courses and how you can learn how to better defend your faith uh, in the face of Scientology and other uh, groups. Uh, also, check out uh, the Trinity Commission, uh, Leighton Flowers, Billy, and Matt, uh, Billy Wendell and Matt uh, Chisholm, uh, the, the, the Billy Brodown, the Bible Brodown, <laughs> and uh, The Narrow Path with Steve Gregg. And uh, hey, go give us a good review. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Braxton Hunter, the BraxtonHunter.com. You can learn some more. And um, I don't have anything else. Do you have anything else? Nope. All right. You're going to go extract some thetans? Amen. All right. The destructive engrams. Until next time on <laughs> Trinity Radio. <laughs>